the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The news never stops. Life goes on around town and around the world. You need a talk show that keeps track of it. A program with bold opinions that's always open to your views. That is this show. Welcome to the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. All right, everybody, come on in. It is hour number two. We're up to 61 on the way to 93. Uh, let's let's see how this plans out. By lunchtime, we're looking at 82, apparently, and then 92 at around 4. And it can differ. I mean, maybe where you are, it won't quite get to 92. Maybe where you are, it'll get to 93. Oh, my gosh. And, and that does spark the question, will we have uh, one of our favorite Texas dances, the 50-degree swing? Uh, we will. It'll take a little while. Uh, we wake up on Friday morning. It'll be 40. But tomorrow will be 88. Tomorrow will be 88, which is another possible record breaker. And then Wednesday morning, as the clouds come in, uh, we, we'll get about a 40-degree drop from uh, the, from the high 80s to the low 40s. So welcome to Texas winter. And welcome to uh, post-South Carolina analysis. Mike Gallagher uh, safely ensconced in Israel, doing all kinds of broadcasting there on the global front. And we have things to address here coming off a news-heavy weekend. So let me ask you some things, ponder some things, play you some things, uh, to just ruminate over some things as we enter a home stretch. The, uh, the Super Tuesday is a week from tomorrow. Early voting obviously continues today and all the way until the end of the week to March 1st. Uh, you will be bombarded by warring commercials, often taking issue with each other within the same commercial break on radio, on TV. And, uh, and, and so it's just an interesting time to be slogging through these various things. In Texas, it is a time for Republicans to choose. Are we satisfied with the Austin swamp? Are we good with Speaker Dade Phelan? I know I'm the guy who's told you repeatedly for years that it's really, really hard to, uh, to oust an incumbent, but we have things happening. There are there are challengers running. This David Covey, who's running against the Speaker himself down there in Beaumont, in uh, you know way southeast of us in District Twenty One, uh, he's got an, a Trump endorsement, uh, a, a Dan Patrick endorsement, and a Paxton endorsement. Uh, Greg Abbott is in a, a kind of a. a bold, even shocking move, challenging some Republican incumbents like Glenn Rogers out west of Fort Worth in District 60. Uh, Glenn is uh, suggesting that all of this angst against him, it's not because of, of him being a, a Paxton impeachment accomplice. It's not because people are sick of Democrat committee chairs that Dade Phelan wants. Uh, it, it's not because Mike Olcott is running a great campaign endorsed by Patrick and Abbott and Paxton. No, it, it, it's all these these shady financiers. It, it's it's all AstroTurf, which is fake grassroots. Get it? Uh, and, and so actually, the, the, to their credit, over on Channel 5 at Lone Star Politics, uh, Phil Prezan talked to both of them 
and it's kind of eye-opening. And I'll, let me do that here in, in a couple of minutes as soon as we sort of cover the immediate South Carolina aftermath and what lies ahead, presidentially speaking. What lies ahead in the show at 835 are one of our favorite analyst guys, one of our favorite uh, pundits. Our buddy Matt Makoviak will join us. We'll have an overview of the presidential situation, the Austin situation, the state level, et cetera, et cetera. 905, always a rousing visit with Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas 4th District. And, of course, you are welcome throughout all of this at 866-660-5759, 866-660-5759. That's where you call us. That's where you text us. And and on the text line, you guys are on fire with angst about Nikki Haley. What is she thinking? What is she doing? Um, Here are the possible answers. And then I'll get a little bit of the coverage from the weekend on how, because it's funny because the media culture loves the continuing Nikki Haley campaign. Now, if she were to win and be the nominee, she would be the devil's daughter because she's the Republican nominee. But what she's doing right now is allowing herself to be a useful pawn for everybody that hates Trump. So that's why the squish GOP loves her. That is why the Democrats love her. Uh, Gavin Newsom. Uh, over the weekend said, we totally want her to be continue her running. She's one of our best surrogates. Exactly. If you're a Republican and the Democrats are loving you this much, isn't something basically the matter with you and your continuing campaign? Only if, only if you have some other long game in mind. Mike and I mentioned the no labels outfit. It was West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin who had at one point uh, fielded uh, you know, some, some seed of an idea about a no-labels campaign. No-labels is an, an actual organization. And I, I, I've met very few people who meet this description, but they do exist. And supposedly they're all over the place. Because, listen, you hear all the time that people are like they're, they're not thrilled with the Republicans exactly as they are, not thrilled with the Democrats exactly as they are, and they want some other way. They crave some third party. All the third parties do is run and get absolutely demolished. So maybe that's all just kind of a, of, of a lie that there's this huge seething demand for a third party. Some, maybe people think that they want one. But what they really want, if they're not as conservative and as bold as Trump, they just want him to be more of a of of, of, of a weakling. And if they're you know sort of center left, but they they don't like the Republican Party under Biden, Pelosi, AOC, and Schumer, they just wish the Democrat Party wasn't as bug eyed radical as it is. Well, guess what? That's what you got. That's what you get. Today's Democrat Party is today's Democrat Party. They are absolutely led around by the nose, by the radical left, that's what you've got. And if that's okay with you, or moderately okay with you, that that's your only option. If you are conservative or have any strand of conservatism in your DNA, and maybe you did, you know, enjoy the McCain and Romney years, whatever. But if 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 that if there's enough Republican DNA in you to to not want Biden again, then you you got you just know what you got to do. You got to get over yourself and get behind Trump because that's the only way to prevent another Biden term or four more years of Democrat uh, White Houses. So, and if all of a sudden that's okay with you, then maybe there's just not much conservatism in you 
at all. So much of this involves looking in the mirror. All right. I was looking at uh, the TV box on Sunday morning and on uh, this week with Stephanopoulos, guest hosted by Martha Raddatz. They sent it down to Rachel Scott in South Carolina. Look, Donald Trump was so confident he barely even campaigned in this state, delivering a crushing blow to Nikki Haley in a state that elected her to the governor's mansion twice. Haley knew this was going to be an uphill challenge, that the odds were stacked against her. This morning, she is defiant, vowing to stay in this race, still making the case that she is the only Republican that can defeat President Biden in November. But she has to get through Donald Trump first. And exit polls show that the voters that know her, perhaps the best right here in South Carolina. They were not buying that electability argument. As for Trump, he is laser focused on the general election. He didn't even mention her a single time in his victory speech, Martha. And and Rachel, the night before the primary, former President Trump made several comments at the Black Conservative Federation Gala in South Carolina there. Here we go. So now what you're going to get, and they'll, they'll try coming after him on this. Trump has a comfort in his own skin skin being a relative a relevant observation here because his skin is obviously white speaking before a bunch of people whose skin was obviously black but whose politics had common ground with him it was a black conservative group and they loved him and one of the things that they loved is not just the policies but he's just comfortable just sort of putting his toe in the pool of of ob- something that has everybody else on pins and needles and just constantly on eggshells. He ain't playing that game. That The Biden campaign is calling outright racist. Let's listen. I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said that that's why the black people like me, because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. I think that's why the black people are so much on my side now because they see what's happening to me happens to them. The mugshot, we've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Now, there are those who would say, well, is this just suggesting that all the black folk are expecting to have mugshots made of them? And thus they are they are finding a kindred spirit in the mugshotted Donald Trump. Well, No. What is at issue here is the concept of having the system rigged against you. The perception that you're not getting a fair shake, a broadly held view among black folk. And and it's obviously it's not precisely apples and apples, but it is the kind of victimization that Trump is attempting to forge as a uh, as as a commonly uh, a commonly walked path. Uh, with uh, with black voters. But you see black people walking around with my mugshot. These lights are so bright in my eyes that I can't see too many people out there. But uh, I can only see the black ones. I can't see any white ones. You see, that's how far I've come. That's how far. <laughs> this this you know what this is called. And I know this will be foreign to many. I know this will be just an otherworldly concept. It's called a sense of humor. And nobody's allowed to have one anymore. And Trump ain't playing that game. And Rachel, those comments didn't seem to hurt him last night at all. No, of course not, because he had a sense of humor. 
No, and the crowd was cheering. I'm told that Trump's team, though, was caught off guard by those comments. That was not in the script. Mm. The former president trying to appeal to black voters. He won just 6% of the black vote in 2016, 8% in 2020. He's looking at President Biden's low approval ratings across the board. He does see an opening there, and he talked a lot about criminal justice reform, signing the First Step Act into law. That is something, though, that he doesn't mention nearly as much when campaigning in front of predominantly white crowds in places like Iowa and New Hampshire. And his pitch was essentially that because he's a criminal defendant, because he has a mugshot, black voters will suddenly like him even more. Nikki Haley lashing out against those comments, calling them disgusting. She says that it's a warning sign for the party as it's trying to expand its tent. And of course, this morning, you have Democrats pointing to a long list of racially and sensitive things that the former president has said from being accused of discriminating against black tendons. He was sued back in the 1970s Keep over trying. that to pushing Keep false trying. conspiracy birtherism uh, theories about former president Barack Obama How far back to you telling go. four congresswomen of color who were American citizens to going back to where they came from, Martha. Okay, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much indeed. Nice try. Nice try. 822. Born this date, 1918. I found my thrill. Antoine Dominique Domino. On Blueberry Hill. They called him Fats. His first single was On The Fat Man. Blueberry Hill. Viewed by some as one of the first rock and roll singles. I found you. Blueberry Hill, 1956. So looking at some of the analysis, kind of funny, the media culture will do what it will do. And here's a good dude. He's been on the show and I like him a lot. Rick Klein at ABC. But (laughs) his task, find some dark cloud inside the enormous Trump win. Inside a route, you do see some concerns that might be there for the for a Trump candidacy going forward. He's got core Republicans. We saw this in the exit polls. He won Republican voters by about 40 points last night. But independence, that's another story. Yeah, yeah, okay, but here is that story. If you call yourself a Republican, you went for Trump 70 to 29. If you call yourself an independent, also known as not a Republican, you went for Haley 60 to 39. This is, hello? This was an open primary. Anyone could vote. Nikki Haley actually carried independent voters by about 20 points. So it's one thing to win a Republican primary, but the general election is another story. And given the legal issues that he continues to face, we asked in this exit poll whether Trump would be fit to serve if he's convicted of a crime. And 61 percent said, yes, he would be fit to serve. But check this out. 36 percent say no. So that's more than a third of core Republican voters who say if he is convicted, he is not fit to serve. But the exit poll also showed, I think, pretty stark how the core argument that Haley has made against Trump just fell flat. She has been saying only only I can beat Joe Biden and is not what the exit polls show. In fact, it looks like voters are much more likely to think that Trump can beat Joe Biden than Haley. And, and in fact, please take a look at something. Among Trump voters, uh, like can, can Trump win? 82-17. Among Haley's own voters, 59-39. 
you know, they, they said that uh, that Trump has a greater likelihood of beating Biden. And exit polls and past exit polls this cycle have shown just how many Republicans still believe President Biden did not legitimately uh, here we go. win the here election. We go. How does South Carolina compare? Uh-huh. Yeah, once again, we see an overwhelming number, 61 percent of people in South Carolina. But yet yeah, the question was, did Biden legitimately win the 2020 election? Right. Sixty one thirty six. No. Believe falsely that Joe mm-hmm. falsely, really falsely, right? Biden did not legitimately win the election. And to me, it speaks to the MAGA takeover of the Republican Party. We saw this across issues, whether it's immigration, whether it's foreign policy, whether it's the economy. Republican voters believe what Donald Trump is saying. They like what he is what he is talking about. They like him. And they continue to, to, to say that over and over again. And that really is what it comes down to, is that Donald Trump is popular with his base. People believe what he's saying, even when it's false. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Look up the definition of false in the dictionary, young man. It is objectively, provably not true. The 2020 election is a horrible, unsatisfying, unacceptable fog of uncertainty, whether ABC likes it or not. All right. Here's what I like. Let's take let's take all of this and all of the Texas races and just everything with with a week and a day remaining until the March 5th actual election day. Let's talk one of our favorite Texas analysts, our buddy Matt Makoviak. He's next right after we pay a visit into the newsroom. Here's Nikki. Johnny Cash's birthday. Show proper reverence. Born this date 92 years ago. Little man in black or let's head down to the man in austin with all the views we seek at multiple levels one of our favorite analysts in the biz friend of mine friend of the show our pal matt mccoviak welcome sir how you doing i'm doing great mark good morning hope you're having a hope you have a great weekend it was it's just superb and so i really want to spend maybe about 10 percent at the front end doing a little trump and haley because that's fairly self-evident mm-hmm. and there's so much that we totally know the gop is trump's gop uh, but so let's just do this for a minute, and then let's head out into the vast, fascinating landscape of of what's going on in some of these Texas races. What do you think is Nikki Haley's rationale for remaining in when her chances of success are zero? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, campaigns don't end for any other reason than when they run out of money. And for whatever reason, um, fairly intelligent, successful, and wealthy people have decided to continue funding her campaign. Um even though there appears to be literally no visible path to a successful outcome for her. Um, you know, look, she wants to continue to accumulate delegates and hope that some, uh, you know, asteroid-level event uh, hits the Republican primary contest and changes things in ways no one uh, can foresee or predict. Um, you know, generally, it would be the, the job of, of the people around a candidate to protect them from a 20-point loss in their home state. Um, that's not what happened here. Uh, she has continued to accumulate delegates, and she will be the second-place finisher in terms of delegates at the national convention. But she is denying and delaying the ability of the party to fully unify, uh, and that does have consequences. It's relevant as it relates to uh, partnering with the RNC and creating a joint victory account, which, which will help Trump close the fundraising gap that he has right now. Um, it's relevant in all these states uh, where you know Nikki continues to gain some 
some support um, rather than having the entire party and all of our voters unify behind our nominee. And of course, the time is precious. I mean, we have you know eight or nine months for the most important election maybe in all of our lifetimes. So I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why anyone would continue to give money to it. Um, I understand some people don't like Trump or don't think he can win or whatever else. Uh, I don't agree. I think Trump can win. I think he uh, has at worst a 50-50 chance of winning given how weak Biden is uh, and how poor his record's been. Um, But yeah, this is one of the most puzzling things I've seen in my entire political career, why someone will continue to run at a time when they have absolutely no path whatsoever and why anyone would continue to fund it. It's it's just beyond beyond my comprehension. And yet, amid your puzzlement, you've touched on a couple of things that may be the answers. And this is where I, it, that has been some folks just can't let it go. That the Democrats love her, so, so they're going to continue to, to fund her to some extent so she can be a shiv in Trump's side. The soft... Old school rhino elitist corporatist GOP still can't believe Trump has the the party uh, in his thrall, so they're just not ready to give up yet, and they're just going to sit there and hope that some weird, like you said, an, an asteroid or a court verdict comes in to dislodge Trump, and she'll just be there. It's like, hey, remember me? I finished second. I consider that to be far more plausible than the, uh, the other buzz this morning that she is gathering steam for one of those weird, non-ideological, no-labels campaigns. Yeah, I, I think that's unlikely, uh, extremely unlikely. Um, you know, I do think no-labels is going to nominate a Republican for president. Um, that, that is something I think will happen. Um, they lost Larry Hogan, the former governor of Maryland, who's now running for U.S. Senate. Um, so we'll see, you know, who else is in there well, like in their who? mix. Joe Manchin, like who? I mean, Joe Manchin's an ex now is, is Democrat, but I mean, who? Who? I mean, yeah. Who? I don't know. John Huntsman, Mitt Romney. Uh, I mean, you come up with with the list of, of people. I think I think that's distinct possibility. But here's why this just kind of makes me a little crazy. It let yeah. th- these Republicans are reviled by conservatives oh, yeah. as turncoats, and they're too conservative to have a fan base in Democrats. No, that that's right. And so, so look, they would be taking advantage of someone, um, you know, whispering sweet nothings in their ear, <laughs> exactly. trying to convince them there's a path. Exactly. When really, when really, they're being used to try to siphon off five percent, five percent, or even ten percent of the Republican vote and make it impossible for go. Trump to win. You know, the third party candidates here, Mark, I think are really important. Um, you know, we don't know if, if our RFK Jr. is going to get the Libertarian nod. Uh, we'll see. I guess in the next few months, we'll see what No Labels does. Um, you know, that, what they may end up doing is actually making it easier for Trump to win. Trump has a much clearer path in a lot of these battleground states to 42 or 44 or 46 percent than he might uh, to 50 or 51 percent. And so, you know, when the when the history of the 2024 presidential election is written, it very well may be that third parties mattered more here than at any time since 1980. That is extremely wise because I spend all my time talking about what a sliver and what a relatively tiny sliver this whole third party thing is. But in a bunch of Remember, every election is state by state for the presidency. And if in a yep. given state, somebody getting one or two or three percent can throw it one way or the other, uh, therein may lie the difference. All right. Let's talk Texas. Has anything changed since you and I spoke last? We were talking about what seemed to be sort of the the Austin. I mean, I could call it the swamp if I wanted to, but sort of the Austin establishment, the Dade Feelings uh, and his candidates and a lot of incumbents who have lined up behind him, many of whom boarded the Paxton impeachment train. I think most people have largely forgotten and healed up from that, but a whole lot of people have not. What level of steam, what level of uh, of buzzsaw still exists for people to pay a price 
a week from tomorrow for having impeached Paxton? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. You know, does does uh, how much risk is a state house member in uh, this primary season if they were anti-school choice and they voted to uh, advance the impeachment articles against Attorney General Paxton? That, to me, I think is the category of person who may be at greatest risk. I don't know whether the Paxton vote is enough uh, to cost you your, your seat. We're going to see if it if it is. Some of that is going to be a reflection of, of, of other factors, how strong you are, how hard you work, how much money you've raised, how efficient your campaign is being run. And those kind of things you know, are going to matter in races that are going to be two or three or four point margins, which I expect a lot of close races. Um, I don't know whether that, the intensity around that Paxton impeachment continues. I think if he had been removed from office by the Texas Senate, which of course he wasn't, yep. uh, but if he had been, I think the intensity would have been off the charts. Right. Um, but but, yeah, look, I mean, look, Mark, we're in the midst of the wildest primary season in my lifetime in Texas. Uh, and I'll tell you what I worry about more than anything. I don't know how all these folks are going to come together in January um, and approach a legislative session where we're going to want to get big things done. You know, it's kind of funny. You you went somewhere different where I thought about coming together in November for unity to win. But that's one thing. But then coming that to, too. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, we always say that. But you've said something I think is even smarter. You know, we'll get November. The Republicans will win the Republican districts, whoever you know prevails on March 5th. But then coming together with the grudges that may be a little longer and things that are hard to forget with a lot of the Austin mm-hmm. swamp people calling the Boulder conservatives neo-Nazis. I mean, this is in ad after ad. Jill Dutton coming after Brent Money. And listen, it's all about, and I, I don't know how well, you, do you know, I don't know, Jonathan Stickland and I have known each other a long time, haven't talked to him lately. Mm-hmm. I love to say, dude, what were you thinking? I don't think there's an anti-Semitic bone in Jonathan's body, but this Nick Fuentes meeting was just inexplicable. And it and it put a huge smear on Defend Texas Liberty, which is nothing just good, solid conservatives trying to back good solid conservative tactics uh, candidates and use those uh, the tactics used against them that have been used against them is just shameful and it's brought play mistake free ball you can't afford to give your enemies this kind of ammo that's right that's right and and um i i don't know i mean you know why was he in that meeting you know uh, people who don't like that group will will assume one thing people who do like that group will, will chalk it up to you know, circumstance or a modest mistake. You're right, though. Um, you know, when you play politics at this level, the stakes are really high. Uh, people who uh, want, an out, want one outcome or the other are willing to do whatever it takes. Uh, and so he did give them that opportunity uh, to attack them, and it has done damage. Uh, there's no question it's done damage to, to that side of, of the conservative movement. Um, I wonder, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things I look at at, at the end of this primary is, is what is the answer to the following questions? Number one, um, are, are we are we closer? Are we you know we twelve votes to pass school choice in the Texas House based on where we were at the last vote? How much closer to those twelve do we get coming out of this March? You have open seats, you have challenges, you have the governor doing more than he's ever done in any primary cycle to try to change the legislature to to move things in his direction. Um, I think you know there's a pathway to five, six, seven, even maybe eight seats of those twelve. I don't know if whether they'll get you know the whole way there, but that's going to be very interesting to watch. Second is how many of the impeachment leaders in the House go down? Is it zero? Is it more? Um, what, what, what message does that send? And then, and then how does that affect the political strength of Attorney General Ken Paxton you know, coming out of this? Uh, and then finally, how does this all affect the fall election? Um, you know, we have, uh, we'll have 10 or 15 probably state House seats that'll, that'll be potentially competitive. You probably have one state Senate seat 
that will be competitive, and maybe only one or maybe two congressional seats that will be competitive because of the way redistricting has worked out. These are the questions I look at kind of more globally, Mark, uh, coming out of this primary with whatever we have, what, 15 days left. Um, Massive amounts of money spent, massive amounts of mail and texting and digital ads and TV and radio, um, and certainly a lot of hurt feelings on both sides. Uh, you know, I do, I do worry about the future because the legislative session is not far away, and, and the issues our state is facing in terms of the explosive growth of Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, in terms of water, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of school choice, uh, in terms of the border. I mean, you could go down a long list of things that are going to need to be addressed starting in January, and I, I cannot remember a time when the Speaker of the House uh, and the Lieutenant Governor had a worse working relationship than they do right now, and that is simply not a good thing for Texas. Is it? It is almost impossible for me, to, as much as I would love it, uh, to to see. And listen, prove. I want to say, prove me wrong. In, down in twenty one, down in Beaumont, if you, if if Dade Phelan is as out of favor with conservatives as I wish he were, then then David Covey will beat him in his own district. And you've got a Paxton endorsement, you've got a Patrick endorsement, you got a Trump endorsement. Is that doable? Oh, I think the speaker could lose. I do. Uh, I'm not necessarily predicting it. I think it will be close. I think it will be very close. Um, I can tell you the, the number of smart people that I trust, Mark, that have uh, opinions about that race that are, that are you know, 30 points apart, it, it's not small. Um, it's quite, quite, quite shocking. Generally, when I have people I trust on both sides of any race giving me extreme uh, views on, uh, in their own favor, I generally try and split the difference. Um, but look, you would not have uh, the kind of ad campaigns you're seeing for, for Covey and for Phelan on television with the aggressiveness and the intensity of them if that were not a truly competitive race. The risk for the speaker is getting pushed into a primary runoff where turnout will be lower, which in a race that would be nationalized, um, where uh, where you're going to have much you know much more limited universe of people who can vote. Um, you know, I think that's 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 as much a risk to him as, as as losing. I think it's probably even more likely he's pushed into a runoff than that he outright loses. But all three outcomes are possible. Um, and and look, that will be an earthquake. Let, let's be absolutely clear about one thing: if the uh, the right wing folks that are going after the incumbents lose every single race, but they beat the speaker. It will be like they won the Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> exactly. It's like somebody once asked the coach of Auburn, uh, "Would you rather go eleven and one, or go, uh, and, and 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 lose to Alabama, or go one and eleven and beat Alabama?" And they took the one right. and eleven. All right. Last couple of minutes with Matt McCoviak, twenty six. Tell me how this happens. There's this outfit called Conservatives for American Excellence. Gosh, it sounds so great. Their only reason to exist is to lie about Brandon Gill, and I believe it's backfiring. Anti-police, Brandon Gill. It's because he wants to retool the FBI. That's not defunding the police. These people. People know it. They are lying weasels. I believe it's going to backfire. Brandon Gill may win that thing without a runoff or the name of the game for uh, for, for John Huffman, Louisa Del Rosal, uh, Scott Army is to make the runoff with him. How in the world does something like that happen? Yeah, look, this is the campaign finance world that we're in now um, where, you know, um, it's not just about whether you're a good candidate and you have a vision and experience and you can run a good race and have a chance of being successful. It's about whether you have you know, the financial support to do independent expenditures as well, your own super PAC, or to set up an entity that attacks someone else. Um, I, could, I can envision a scenario where the three, uh, three non-branded kill candidates all, all uh, are going to benefit from and perhaps welcome 
uh, the ad that you're talking about and the group that's doing it, right? The more they bring him down, the more chance there is a run- of a runoff occurring. Of course, all three of them think they're going to be in the runoff. Uh, I'd be surprised, Mark, if there's, if there's not a runoff in that race. I really would, given how young he is, how unestablished in the district he was when he started. Yes, he has Trump and other endorsements. He seems to be putting something together at a young age, which is impressive. Uh, but uh, I really think the odds that that, that goes to, to a runoff are pretty high. There's four pretty strong candidates who've yeah. raised money, who have bases, who are working hard, who appeal to different parts of the party. So we'll see. But, yeah, these, these ads, uh, you know, they can, have a, they can have a backlash. There's no question. If, it, if it's not truthful, if it's over the top, if it's overly nasty, and that's true in any race. You have to be careful when you attack someone because it does hurt you. Now, in this case, what is you? You know, who, who does it hurt? Does it hurt the other candidates who didn't have anything to do with it, at least directly? I don't know. So that may be what they're thinking is that a third party can, can attack in a way that doesn't harm uh, you know, one of the other candidates. In addition to his other heroic things, he's the chairman of the Republican Party in the People's Republic of Austin at the Travis GOP, Matt Makoviak, on the old Twitter X, at Matt Makoviak, M-A-C-K-O-W-I-A-K. Thank you, Matt. Always appreciate it. Man, we, let, we may do it again one more time in the eight days before the primary, so we're ready anytime, anytime. you want. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Matt Makoviak from Austin and on the show, and we are always grateful. 852. Mitch Ryder in the Detroit Wheels. Mitch Ryder, still alive. Yes! 79 today. We'll let Mitch take us out and into the 9 o'clock hour. We'll keep things pumped up with a uh, chat with Congressman Pat Fallon, always festive. And then uh, see what else there is to sort out as we uh, launch into a brand new week with the summertime temperatures. Topics are hot, so is the weather. Mark Davis, 660 AM, The Answer. Stick around. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 